Can we give some more love to this fabulous band, please? Thank you, Atreyu and Astra and Chris and Francisco and Brett and Nick. That was lovely. Do what you love. Okay, we're in August. Time flies. Summer is almost over. And I'm delighted to be here with you this morning and to kick off our month of passion and purpose. Now, my birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and as I was turning 42, I found myself reflecting on my life, as one tends to do when they make another revolution around this this sun (laughs) that we're revolving around. And I recognize that quite a lot has happened in my 42 years on this planet. And I find it particularly interesting how my passions have evolved. As I get older, I find myself less interested in certain things. And I find myself more interested in others. And I find that the experience of passion itself has evolved. It's shifted in me. And there's a story I'd like to share with you that I think illustrates that really well. And it's a famous story within Islamic communities, and particularly in Sufi communities, and it's called Layla and Majnun. And once upon a time, long ago, there was this man named Kays, or Kais, you can pronounce it that way. It's Q-A-Y-S for those who are wondering. And he fell in love with this woman named Layla, rather passionately in love with her, rather scarily in love with her, <laughs> almost a little stalkerish in love with her. Now, the more popular tellings of this story um, say that Layla did, in fact, love Kai's back. But he was so obsessed, so obsessed with her, so possessed by her, by her beauty, by her way of being, by his love for her, that he earned the nickname Majnun. And that translates to possessed or mad or obsessed depending on how you look at it. So he was maybe not quite all there in his obsession with her. And so his father, being a loving and, you know, good father, goes up to Layla's parents and says, hey, would you consent to have my son marry your daughter? And they looked at him. (laughs) And they're like, are you out of your mind? Do you know what he, he's going around kissing the wall saying that it's Layla? Like, what's going on here? No, of course not. Of course, Kai's can't marry Layla. He's nuts. So, Kai's becomes a hermit. He goes off into the desert and he does the whole mystic thing and he prays and he writes poetry, love poems about Layla. And That goes on for a while, and then eventually Kai's father says, I need to do something about this. I I love my son. I want him to not be in the state anymore. He's been gripped by his passion, and it needs to let go. And so his father tricks him. His father tricks him into uh, finding his way to the Kaaba. And The Kaaba in Islam, it's the holiest site in all of Islam. And it's this stone building, this beautiful stone building that's at the center of the most important mosque in Mecca. 
And it's actually where every Muslim directs their prayers every single day. And they pray five times a day. And if you were to walk into any mosque around the world, there is a line that's carved into the wall that points towards Mecca, that points towards the Kaaba. So they know which direction to pray. It's the direction where all prayers are, are sent in that religion. And so it's a holy site. It's a site with great power and great meaning. And so Kai's father thinks that, well, if he, if he goes there, then maybe Allah will heal him of his madness and he can be a normal person again. And so he tricks him there. He gets him to show up at the Kaaba. Now, Kai's would not be discouraged. Because what he ends up doing, rather than what his father hopes, is he prays. He does pray. And he prays, Allah, would you please make me 100 times more in love with Layla? <laughs> not quite what Kai's father expected. And so time goes on. Layla ends up being married off to um, a much more boring, but also much more mentally stable man. <laughs> and eventually time passes and she, she dies. And Caius finds his way to her gravestone and he's distraught as we would expect him to in his obsession. And soon thereafter, he dies having no longer have the, the object of his affection to live for in the world. Now, that's a very heteronormative story. I want to unpack that. You know, it was written hundreds of years ago when it was always about a man and a woman. So if that doesn't work for you, you can insert whatever pairing in there that you like. And me, I interpret this story, the story of Layla and Majnun, on a couple of different levels. On the surface level, it reminds me that passion without wisdom can be really dangerous, can't it? If I go a little bit deeper, I see how this story, when I look through it as with spiritual eyes, that it's an allegory for love of the divine, for love of spirit, love of that part that's within us that's eternal. That, for me, I know, has existed before I even had my very first thought. You also have this inner divine, this inner spirit. And whatever you choose to call it, whatever I choose to call it, I know that it's that part of me that's wise I know it's that part of me that loves without limit. I know it's that part of me that inspires me into poetry and into song. I know that sometimes it's the part of me that makes me a little crazy, <laughs> too. And this is that part that inspired Kai's with his love for Layla. It just went a little too far. And so when I look at the story of Layla and Majnun in that way, I see that there is great power to that passion that's within us, but I'm also invited to find balance in my passion. To find balance with that unseen love that's at the core of my being. 
Because what I find is that I also need to be in the world. I'm also a human being. I don't stop being human because I have this spiritual center. It's not one or the other. It's yes and. Here's where Kai's got tripped up, in my opinion. He allowed his passion for Layla to so consume him, to so attach him to Layla, that he forgot his humanity. He forgot that he was living in a human world with other humans. He became attached to the idea of Layla and the idea of love with Layla, not the reality of it. And rather than allowing that love to play out naturally, instead, he kept on fueling his obsession, his possession of her. And I believe there is a very important reason why this happened. And I think it's because Kais did not know how to love himself. Because if he did, I think he would have found balance. He would have found that that which he was trying to find in Layla, he actually had within himself. And what if his inner love matched her inner love? And that through that divine passion, they were able to be together. Food for thought. And so I find that his love for her was not unconditional. It wasn't that unconditional love that comes from spirit, but rather it was a love that was rooted in his ego's idea of what pure love is supposed to look like. He was obsessed with the image. He was more interested in that ideal than the reality. And so this story, well, makes me a little uncomfortable because it calls me to examine how my own passion, sometimes in unhealthy ways, has played out in my relationships. And that's whether those relationships were romantic, platonic, or just with the world around me. Because for much of my life, I was attached to the idea of what I thought was good. For example... Anyone remember being a teenager? <laughs> yes. Well, I was a teenager too. And I was pretty dumb. <laughs> I thought you would laugh a little bit more at that. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me here. <laughs> it's almost the sympathy. It's like, oh yeah, I was a dumb teenager too. Okay, I don't want to think about it too much. <sighs> Here's why I was dumb. The instant that I found the positive attention of a girl, oh, it was all over. I was smitten. I was in love, even though she might have just said my name. <laughs> and it didn't matter if that girl was terrible. It didn't matter if she wasn't actually interested in me. I was just happy to have a crush, to be in love. And my passion tended to be completely outwardly focused on whoever it was that I was obsessed with at the time. And in so doing, I lost myself. It was all about her. 
So I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but looking back now, well, I was Kai's. I was the Majnun. Oh, I was possessed. So it's no surprise that the ladies would leave me faster than grass through a goose. I didn't know if that was going to work. I'm so glad. (laughs) You know, the reason for that, the reason for that was because my passion, like Kai's, was rooted in the insecurities of my ego. The truth is, in that way of being, I was never going to be the right person for anyone. I certainly wasn't the right person for me. And I wish I could say that it was only my romantic relationships, but it showed up in my platonic relationships, it showed up in my job, it showed up in the way that I was in the world. And that's because I was so attached to my idea of what I thought was good. And that blinded me to what was already good within me and in the world around me. It turns out that I was constantly seeking for something that I already had. Kind of like when you're looking for your keys for hours on end and it turns out they're in your coat pocket. (laughs) So thankfully, as I get older, I do find little scraps of wisdom from the mistakes that I've made. And I've learned that healthy passion or divine passion, as I choose to call it, is something very different than what we hear about in Layla and Majnun. I define divine passion as that motivating energy that is rooted in unconditional love, the unconditional love that is at the center of our being. The love comes first. And when I recognize that, I see that there's an energy there. It's an energy that gets me past challenges even when I feel like I might not be able to make my way past them. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me centered. And it even keeps me on task for the tasks that I really would rather not have to do, especially the ones that involve math. Ooh, ugh. And spreadsheets. Ah, oh. The passion brings me through that. In fact, so much so that sometimes even those most menial things make my heart sing when I tap into that divine passion. Now, this passion, I find it to be quiet. It might show up differently for you, but for me, it's a quiet passion. And yet, it's fierce and it's tenacious. And I'm reminded of my grandma, Emmer, who seemed to be the physical embodiment of divine passion. She was not remarkable in the way that our world tells us we should be remarkable, but she was definitely remarkable in her own way. She was remarkable because her passion, that quiet passion within her, that divine passion within her, expressed in a way that made everyone seen, feel seen, feel heard, feel loved. Her passion was connecting. 
Whether it was the passion that came out as she was cooking some delicious chicken noodle soup or raw fried potatoes, which if you're wondering how to make those, just ask me after service. They're amazing. (laughs) It's the best thing ever, raw fried potatoes. But she also would play King's Corners with me and Yahtzee into the wee hours of the night so I didn't feel like I was alone after my parents were divorced. She had this quiet intensity to her, and her passion deepened all the relationships around her. She was a nexus for the family because that passion, that energy, that quiet intensity helped us all feel loved. I mean, what a gift that was. You might say that her passion erased any sense of separation that we might have had. And so what my grandma taught me is that divine passion deepens our relationship with ourselves and it deepens our relationship with the world around us. It's not an obsessive passion. It's not a possessive passion. But it is calming. It's peaceful. In fact, just yesterday, I was taking a little break from writing this talk that I'm sharing with you today, and I was working on cleaning up my kitchen. And as I started scrubbing my countertops, I felt this quiet passion opening up within me. I've noticed that I was feeling connected to the work that I was doing. And soon, I was feeling connected with everything around me. I felt this gentle breeze that was coming through my open patio door. And then I felt these little sparks of joy as I was hearing that breeze rustle the leaves and the trees outside. In that moment, I felt this really deep peace. I felt all was well in the world, even though all I was doing was scrubbing the grime off my countertop. And so this is the kind of passion that I wish for each of us, that I wish for you to find within you that quiet passion, that spirit source passion that my grandma was such a great example of. I love this community. I really do. Because every day that I'm here, especially on Sundays, I get to witness the connections that we make with one another through our shared passion our shared passion for this community, for this teaching, for each other. And I get to witness how those connections deepen, how they grow. I get so delighted when I see new people talking to each other on a Sunday in the social hall. Or when I'm out on a spirit walk and there's a new pairing of people who are chatting for that walk. And I witness at our center how despite all of the challenges that we have faced over the years, and we've faced a lot of challenges, y'all, that nevertheless, we are still here for each other. We're still here madly in love with each other. And that inspires me, that encourages me. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And I think that's because here at our center, we cultivate that kind of quiet passion that creates connection, 
that loves unconditionally. It's that passion that's fueled by the very depths of our soul. And so that's the kind of passion that we can experience now if you're willing to play along with me. Got a little spiritual practice to share with us. And so if you're willing, I invite you to close your eyes if that feels comfortable. And take a deep breath together, breathing in. Breathing out. And I invite you to allow yourself to settle into the natural rhythm of your breath. And call to mind a fond memory. A memory of a time when you felt connected not just to that love within you, but also the world around you. And take note of what you were doing in this memory. Maybe take note of who you were with. And take note of how you feel in this memory. And see if you can notice that quiet passion in that memory. What does it feel like, that passion? Perhaps it felt like a quiet intensity. Maybe it felt like a source of energy that made everything you were doing feel effortless. And notice how you can feel that feeling, that passion right now as you remember. And now, allow that memory to fade away gently, knowing you can always call it back whenever you like. But take note that that feeling of quiet passion, of love, is still here with you, even though you're no longer replaying that memory. And sit with that passion for this moment as we share this time together.